Hi, listener. Welcome back to Snorybooks, a children's bedtime story podcast that celebrates a good night's rest and the magic of stories. Tonight, I will be reading the first chapter of The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. In this story, we get to meet Mr. Mole, the Water Rat, the Otter, and the Badger, and of course, Mr. Toad. This tale is all about trying something new, falling in love with the water, making new friends, and the beauty of nature, especially when the weather is warm. So fluff your pillows, close your eyes, and take a deep breath. Tonight's story goes something like this. Chapter 1. The Riverbank The mole had been working very hard all morning, spring cleaning his little home. First with brooms, then with dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs, with a brush and a pail of whitewash, till he had dust in his throat and eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur. Spring was moving in the air, above and in the earth, below and around him, filling his dark and lowly little house with a feeling of longing. It was no wonder, then, that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor and said, Bother! I'm done with cleaning! and bolted out of the house without putting on his coat. He made for the steep little tunnel, which he used to answer animals who lived above the ground, nearer the sun and air. He scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged, and then he scrooged and scrabbled and scratched and scraped, working busily with his paws, muttering, Up we go, up we go, until at last, pop! His snout came out into the sunlight, and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is fine, he said to himself, way better than chores. The sunshine struck hot on his fur, soft breezes caressed his heated brow, and the carol of happy birds fell on his hearing. He jumped in the joy of living and the delight of spring, without its cleaning and he headed across the meadow until he reached the hedge on the other side. Hold up, said an elderly rabbit, and held out his paw. You have to pay before crossing the private road. The rabbit was ignored by the impatient mole, who trotted along the hedge, passing other rabbits, as they peeped from their holes to see what was the matter. Onion sauce, mole replied finally and was gone before the rabbits could think of a reply. Through the meadows, Mole rambled along the hedgerows, finding everywhere the birds building, flowers budding, and the leaves thrusting. Instead of feeling guilty about his spring cleaning, he felt jolly to be the only one resting, amongst all the busyness. As he meandered along, he suddenly found himself by the edge of a river. Never in his life had he seen a river with its glints and gleams and sparkles, and all of its rustles and swirls and chatters and bubbles. The mole was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. Spellbound, 
He trotted along the river, and when tired at last, he sat on the bank, listening to the river. It chattered and babbled the best stories in the world, sent from the heart of the earth to be told at last to the insatiable sea. As he sat on the grass, he noticed a dark hole across the river, just above the water's edge. Dreamily, he wondered what a nice, snug dwelling it would make, a home above flood level and remote from noise and dust. As he gazed, something bright and small twinkled in the heart of the hole, vanished, then twinkled once more like a tiny star. But it was too unlikely to have been a star, and it was too glittery and small to be a glowworm. Then it winked at him, and a small face gradually began to emerge. It was a brown little face with whiskers, a twinkle in its eyes, small ears, and thick, silky hair. It was the water rat. The two animals stood and looked at each other uneasily. Hello, mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over? Water rat asked. Oh, I'd rather talk instead, said the mole, rather pettishly, he being new to the river and the riverside ways of life. The rat said nothing, but stooped to unfasten a rope, then lightly stepped into a little boat, which the mole had not seen. It was painted blue and just the size for two animals. The mole's whole heart went out to it at once, even though he did not understand what it was. The rat rode quickly across the river. Then he offered his paw as the mole stepped gingerly down. Lean on that, rat said. Now then, step lively. And the mole, to his surprise, found himself actually seated in the stern of a real boat. This has been a wonderful day, said the mole, as the rat shoved off and took to the oars again. Did you know... I've never been in a boat before in all my life. What? cried the rat, open-mouthed. Never been in a you never? Well, I, what have you been doing then? Is boating really so nice? asked the mole, though he was prepared to believe it was, as he admired the cushions, the oars, and all the fascinating fittings, and he felt the boat sway lightly under him. Nice? It's the only thing, said the water rat, as he leaned forward for his stroke. Believe me, my young friend, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, half so much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Look ahead, rat, cried the mole suddenly. It was too late. The boat struck the bank full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous oarsman, lay on his back at the bottom of the boat his heels in the air. The rat picked himself up with a pleasant laugh. In or out of boats, it doesn't matter. Nothing really seems to matter. That's the charm of it. Whether you get away or whether you don't. Whether you arrive or whether you reach somewhere else. Or whether you never get anywhere at all. You're always busy and you never do anything in particular. Look here. If you have nothing else to do this morning, why don't we sail down the river and enjoy the day together? The mole waggled his toes from sheer happiness, spread his chest with a sigh, and leaned back blissfully into the soft cushions.
What a day I'm having, he said. Let us start at once. Hold hard a minute, then, said the rat. He climbed up into his hole above, and after a moment, reappeared carrying a large wicker lunch basket. Shove that under your feet, he told the mole, as he passed it down into the boat. Then he untied the rope and took the oars again. What's inside the picnic basket? asked the mole, wriggling with curiosity. There's some cold chicken, replied the rat briefly. And cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickled gherkins, salad, french rolls, sandwiches, spotted meat, ginger beer, lemonade, soda water. Oh, stop! Oh, stop! cried the mole. This is too much. Do you really think so? the rat asked seriously. It's only what I always take on these little outings. The mole never heard a word the rat was saying. Absorbed in the new life he was entering upon, intoxicated with the sparkle, the ripple, the scents and the sounds in the sunlight. He trailed a paw in the water and dreamed long waking dreams. The water rat, like a good little fellow he was, rode steadily on and didn't disturb him. I like your clothes, old chap, the rat remarked after half an hour or so had passed. I'm going to get a black velvet suit myself one day, as soon as I can afford it. I beg your pardon, said the mole, pulling himself together. You must think me very rude, but this is all so new to me. So this is a river. The river, corrected the rat. And you really live by the river? What a jolly life, said the mole. By it, and with it, and on it, and in it, said the rat. It's my world, and I don't want any other. Whether in winter or summer, spring or autumn, it's always got its fun and its excitements. When the floods are on in February, and the brown water runs by my best bedroom window, or again when it all drops away and shows patches of mud that smell like plum cake, and the rushes and weeds clog the channels, and I can potter about and find fresh food to eat, and things careless people have dropped from their boats. Is it ever dull at times? the mole asked. Just you and the river, and no one to talk to? No one else to. Well, I won't be hard on you, said the rat. You're new here, and of course you don't know. The bank is so crowded nowadays that many are moving away altogether. Otters, kingfishers, dab chicks, moorhens, all of them about all day long and always wanting you to do something, as if a rat had no business of his own to attend to. What's over there? asked the mole, waving a paw towards a woodland that darkly framed the water meadows on one side of the river. That, oh... That's just the wild wood, said the rat. We don't go there very much. We're river bankers. Aren't they, aren't they nice people in there? Asked the mole nervously. Well, replied the rat, let me see. The squirrels are all right, and the rabbits, only some of them. And then there's Badger, of course. He lives right in the heart of it. Wouldn't live anywhere else if you paid him. Dear old Badger, nobody messes with him. And they'd better not, the rat said seriously. Why, who would bother him? asked the mole. 
Well, of course, there are others, explained the rat. Weasels and stoats and foxes and so on. They're all right in a way. I'm very good friends with them. But you can't really trust them, and that's the fact. The mole knew well that it was against animal etiquette to dwell on possible trouble ahead, so he dropped the subject. What's beyond the wildwood? asked the mole. Where it's all blue and dim, and what may be hills and something like smoke of towns, or is it only clouds? Beyond the wildwood comes the wide world, said the rat. And that's something that doesn't matter, either to you or me. I've never been there, and I'm never going to, nor you either, if you've got any sense at all. Don't ever mention it to me, please. Now then, here we are at last, where we're going to lunch. Leaving the main stream, they passed into what seemed like a little lake. Green turf sloped down either edge, brown snaky tree roots gleamed below the surface of the quiet water, while ahead of them was a restless stripping mill wheel attached to a grey mill house and filled the air with a soothing murmur of sound. It was so beautiful that the mole could only hold up both paws and gasp, Oh my! The rat brought the boat alongside the bank and helped the awkward mole safely ashore and passed him the picnic basket. The mole begged to unpack it all by himself, and the rat was very pleased to let him. He rested on the grass while the excited mole shook out the tablecloth and took out all the mysterious packets from the basket and arranged them, still gasping, oh my, at each piece of food. When all was ready, the rat said, now, dig in, old fellow and the mole was very glad to obey, for he had started his spring cleaning very early that morning, and had not paused for a bite of breakfast, and he had been through a great deal since then, which now felt like ages ago. What are you looking at? asked the rat during their meal, when the mole's eyes wandered off the tablecloth. I am looking, said the mole, at some bubbles traveling along the surface of the water. Bubbles, aho, said the rat. A broad, glistening muzzle showed itself above the edge of the bank, and the otter hauled himself out and shook the water from his coat. Greedy fellows, said the otter as he made his way towards the picnic. Why didn't you invite me, ratty? This was very spur of the moment, explained the rat. By the way, meet my friend, Mr. Mole. Hello, said the otter. Such a rumpus everywhere. All the world seems out on the river today. I came up this backwater to try and get a moment's peace and then stumbled upon you fellows. At least, I beg your pardon. I don't exactly mean that, you know. There was a rustle in the hedges behind them when a stripy head with high shoulders behind it peered forth. Come on, old badger, shouted the rat. The badger trotted forward, then grunted. Hmm, company and turned the other way. That's just the sort of fellow he is, said the rat. Simply hates society. Now, we won't see any more of him today. Well, tell us, otter, who's out on the river? Toad's out for one, replied the otter, in his brand new boat, new outfit, new everything. The animals looked at each other and laughed. First, he was all about sailing, said the rat. Then, he tired of that and took to houseboating. Last year, 
we all had to go and stay with him in his houseboat and pretended that we liked it. He was going to spend the rest of his life in that houseboat. It's all the same. Whatever he takes up, he gets tired of it and starts on something new. Such a good fellow too, remarked the otter, but no stability, especially in a boat. From where they sat, they could glimpse the river across the island that separated them. And just then a boat flashed into view. Toad was splashing badly and rocking the boat, but working his very hardest. The rat stood and waved to him, but Toad shook his head and settled sternly to his work. He'll be out of that boat in a minute if he keeps that up, said the rat. Of course he will, chuckled the otter. Did I ever tell you that good story about Toad? It happened this way, Toad. Before finishing his story, the otter disappeared. The mole looked down, with otter's voice still in his ears. There was no one to be seen, as far as the distant horizon. But again, there was a streak of bubbles on the surface of the river. The rat hummed a tune and the mole remembered his animal etiquette. That it was rude to comment on the sudden disappearance of one's friend at any moment, for any reason, or no reason, whatsoever. Well, well, said the rat. I suppose we ought to be moving. I wonder, which of us had better pack the picnic basket? Oh, please let me, said the mole. So, of course, the rat let him. Packing the basket was not quite as pleasant as unpacking the basket. It never is. The afternoon sun was getting low as the rat rode gently homeward, murmuring poetry things over to himself, and not paying much attention to Mole. But the Mole was very full of lunch, and felt quite at home in a boat, or so he thought, and was getting a bit restless. He said, Ratty, please, I want to row, now! The rat shook his head with a smile. Not yet, my young friend, he said. Wait till you've had a few lessons. It's not as easy as it looks. The mole was quiet and began feeling more and more jealous of Rat, rowing so strongly and so easily, and Mole's pride began to whisper that he could do it just as well. He jumped up and seized the oars so suddenly that the Rat fell backwards off his seat with his legs in the air for the second time while the triumphant mole took his place and grabbed the oars. Stop it, cried the rat from the bottom of the boat. You can't do it. You'll turn us over. The mole flung his oars back and made a great dig at the water. He missed the surface altogether, and his legs flew up above his head, and he fell on top of the rat. Alarmed, he grabbed the side of the boat, and in the next moment, sploosh! Over went the boat and the mole found himself struggling in the river. Oh my, how cold the water was, and oh, how very wet it felt, how it sang in his ears as he went down, 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 how bright and welcome the sun looked as he rose to the surface, coughing and sputtering, how dark was his despair when he felt himself sinking again. Then a firm paw gripped him by his neck. It was the rat, and he was laughing. The rat got hold of an oar and shoved it under the mole's arms and propelled the helpless animal to the shore, hauled him out and set him down on the bank, a squashy, pulpy lump of misery.
When the rat had helped wrung some of the water out of Mole's fur, he said, Now then, old fellow, run along the riverside as fast as you can, until you're warm and dry again. So the saddened Mole trotted about until he was fairly dry, while the rat plunged into the water, recovered the boat, fetched his floating items to shore, and finally dived for the basket and struggled to land with it. When all was ready, the mole took his seat on the boat, and as they set off again, he said in a low voice, Ratty, my generous friend, I am very sorry for my foolishness. My heart fails me when I think of how I might have lost that beautiful picnic basket. I have been a complete fool, and I know it. Will you forgive me and let things go on as before? That's all right, responded the rat cheerily. What's a little wet to a water rat? I'm more in the water than out of it most days. Don't you think any more about it. And look here. I really think you had better come and stay with me for a little while. My place is very plain and rough, you know. Not like Toad's house. But I can make you comfortable. And I'll teach you how to row and to swim, and you'll soon be as handy on the water as any of us. The mole was so touched that he could find no voice to answer him, and he had to brush away a tear with the back of his paw. When they got home, the rat made a bright fire in the parlor and planted the mole in an armchair in front of it, having fetched down a dressing gown and slippers for him and told him river stories till supper time. Very thrilling stories they were, stories about sudden floods, leaping pike, and about herons, and how particular they were, and night fishings with otter, or adventures far afield with badger. Supper was a most cheerful meal, but shortly afterwards, a sleepy mole had to be escorted upstairs by his considerate friend, to the best bedroom, where mole soon laid his head on his pillow in great peace and contentment, knowing that his newfound friend, the river, was lapping the sill of his window. This day was only the first of many similar ones for the mole, each of them longer and full of interest as the ripening summer moved onward. He learned to swim and to row, and entered into the joy of running water, and with his ear to the reed stems, he caught, at intervals, something of what the wind went whispering so constantly among them. And that's the end of the story. Thank you for listening, and I wish you the sweetest dreams and a good night.